As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode 284 of Alohomora for November 9th, 2019. Welcome to another episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's in-depth exploration of the Harry Potter series. I'm Beth Warsaw. I'm Alison Sigurd. And I'm Rosie Morris. And today it is my very great pleasure um, to introduce our very special guest, currently starring in The Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. We've got Sarah Beth Pfeiffer joining us. Hi, Sarah Beth. Hey, how's it going? Great, thank you. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your musical and your involvement with Harry Potter? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I'm an OG Harry Potter fan. I uh, <laughs> will, you know, not reveal my age, but I was definitely of an age where I was reading them, you know, as they were coming out. I, you know, would just lock myself in my room the day that the book came out and, you know, not come out till it was fully read. And in terms of The Lightning Thief, I've been involved in doing that musical for about five years now. And it's our amazing pleasure to be bringing it to Broadway right now. We're playing the Long Acre Theater in New York City. Um, and I had not read the Percy Jackson books before I started doing the musical, but it's been really fun to read those too. And there's plenty of fun parallels um, between those two stories for sure. Um, and yeah, we're having an amazing time doing the show. I play like 12 different characters in the show, <laughs> but um, my main one is Clarice, the, the daughter of Aries. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love fantasy. I love reading. So this is all very much up my alley. 
And listeners, if you haven't seen the show or even listened to the soundtrack, you need to write now. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've been obsessed with it since I saw it off Broadway a couple years ago, and I just went and saw it on Broadway a couple weeks ago. And it's just, you guys do such an incredible job. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm especially fond of the squirrel. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's, it is my great pleasure to bring the squirrel to Broadway, for sure. Alison came back to our hotel room. It was, it was during New York Comic Con. She came back to our hotel room with the squirrel toy and just was raving about it the whole night. It was great. Because it's so cute. <laughs> so on this episode, we are doing a chapter revisit and we are looking at Chamber of Secrets Chapter 10, which is the Rogue Bludger. So make sure you go ahead and read that before listening. You can just pause the podcast right here and go and take a read. And we also want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Connie Chen on Patreon. Yay! Thank you, Connie. Thank you, Connie. Remember, you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, and we continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors. So go to patreon.com slash alohomora to find out more. And now for our shout-out, Maximas. We are looking back at episode 282, uh, which was Goblet of Fire, chapter 34, all about Priory Incantatum. And real quick, I just have to say how impressed I am by the comment section from this chapter. There were so many insightful comments, tons of threaded conversations, lots of stuff that I had never thought of before. You guys are awesome. Keep being awesome. We love you. So... But the first shout out goes to Gryphorin Prefect, who started a fantastic thread about sibling cores uh, of wands and specifically cores other than Phoenix Feather. And also further down in the thread, they made a wonderful comment about the idea of a quest to find a sibling core for the Elder Wand to try to defeat it. So that was completely fascinating, and I highly encourage everybody to go and read that thread. Also, uh, a big shout out to So for a wild theory about Voldemort's plan, uh, or, you know, a plan that Voldemort could have had, uh, to take the portkey back to Hogwarts as a polyjuiced Harry so that he could infiltrate Hogwarts and kill Dumbledore, and maybe even the Minister of Magic. What? That's wild. <laughs> so head on over to the main site if you would like to check out those fantastic comments and so, so many more and leave some of your own. We'd love to have you. We also want to let you know, listeners, that this episode is sponsored by Native Deodorant. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. I, Native is awesome. You've heard us talk about it before. You've heard us rave about it. It is a really great deodorant. They smell lovely. Um, I have the vanilla and coconut one, which are my two favorite scents for body things, which is great. Um, I also have to say I have really sensitive skin, so it's awesome. They use less ingredients, really simple things, um, which is great for my skin because I am very, <laughs> I'm sensitive to like everything and everything makes me break out. It's a problem. <laughs> um, but it doesn't make me do that. It's really simple and it's uh, really great ingredients. It's aluminum free, so it's safe and effective. Um, and there's no risk to try it. You They offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S. And if you don't believe us, there's over 9,000 five-star reviews. 
in all sorts of different places. Um, and like I said, you've heard us rave about it here before. And if you want 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code OPEN during checkout. So again, that's 20% off your first purchase at nativedeodorant.com using the promo code OPEN. And with that, let's dive right into a chapter where I guess some of these characters are going to get kind of sweaty in a Quidditch match. (laughs) Maybe they need native deodorant. Three turns should do it. Chapter Revisit. Chapter 10. Nice loud howl for us, Harry. Oh. The Rogue Bludger. Then he let out a piteous moan. Go on, Harry. So here we go. With a signature from a puffed-up Professor Lockhart in hand, Harry, Ron, and Hermione set to making the most difficult potion they've ever experienced. Polyjuice potion. Meanwhile, a big Quidditch match is about to begin between Slytherin and Gryffindor, and, as always, Oliver Wood, and Harry, want to win at any cost. But a bludger that seems to have it out for Harry makes the match all the more difficult. After a broken arm that becomes much worse thanks to Lockhart, Harry finds himself in the hospital wing with a surprising visitor, Dobby the house elf. However, before Dobby can tell Harry anything truly useful, the second petrified victim is found, Colin Creevy. Dumbledore declares the Chamber of Secrets is open once more, and Hogwarts just got a lot more dangerous. (laughs) Um, We start... (laughs) Speaking of uh, musicals and things, um, so Lockhart... Should have been the Hogwarts drama teacher, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Except Hogwarts no longer does drama, um, which you'll know about if you've read Dumbledore's notes on the Fountain of Fair Fortune in the Tales of Beau the Bard about a particular incident that I think would turn anyone off having drama at any school. (laughs) There's like, there's like fire, right? Yeah. I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. Someone gets seriously injured. It's like a disaster. (laughs) <laughs> one of those things that you're actually though surprised that at Hogwarts they would cancel something because of it. <laughs> yeah, that can be dangerous. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, someone said Macbeth and just everything was terrible after that. Oh, gosh. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's probably like an actual curse on that word. <laughs> and it's, I mean, Hogwarts is in Scotland, so it's perfect to have actual Macbeth ghosts haunted. <laughs> would work. <laughs> there are witches in that play, so... Absolutely. That's yeah. true. Ooh, what if that's how they stage that? <laughs> there are secret witches what going What if Shakespeare out. was the Hogwarts drama teacher? <laughs> oh my gosh. Headcanon accepted. We got it. Okay. <laughs> but Lockhart is having Harry act out this um chapter from one of his books because that's what he's been doing for lessons since the, the Pixies incident. And Harry's not very happy, but... Lockhart mentions this very, some very weird things in this chapter that I think I'd never really picked up on because Lockhart's just a fake and we all know it. But one of the ones that, that caught my attention is, is the homorphous charm legit? Um, he mentions that that's how he gets rid of the Wagga Wagga werewolf. Um, and I don't think it is because I think otherwise we would have heard that Lyle Lupin tried it with Remus. What do you guys think? There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I think from what we know about werewolves, if there were a simple charm or a spell that would help people turn back into humans, like it would be very common. So what happened then to this werewolf? It's possible that it wasn't actually a werewolf, that it was something else. And 
Lockhart is just, you know, being dramatic and claiming that it was a werewolf. And so he was actually describing a real spell, a, a real charm that worked on something, just not on a werewolf. I wonder also how many of Lockhart's tales are actually true and how much are just wild exaggerations of the the, the truths that they are loosely based on. Um, later on, we get also the idea that um, he's trapped a ghoul in a, a tea strainer. And from what we know about ghouls, they're, they're fully like human-sized creatures and tea strainers are tiny and full of holes and yeah how would you trap a ghoul in a tea strainer um so yeah it's kind of most of the actual stories that we hear that he is telling seem very over the top and very ridiculous and probably not based in any kind of truth he either grew the tea strainer or shrank the ghoul <laughs> yeah <laughs> i suppose we also have to remember that all of Lockhart's books are based on things he stole from other people. So yeah. he could very much have no idea what he's talking about. And that could be contributing to... Someone could have killed the werewolf, but it wasn't actually the homorphous charm that, that did it. It was, yeah, something happened. As we see later in the chapter, he has trouble keeping his spells straight. So he probably has to make up a lot of the details. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um Speaking of Lockhart again, I was just laughing because I, I read my illustrated edition and, um, for this one and it ends with, you can see the last page of, before you start the chapter, you can see the last page of the last chapter. And I just caught the line where Ron says the teacher who would sign this permission form for Hermione to check out, um, most potent potions would be quote, really thick. <laughs> And then we jump right to Lockhart at the beginning of this chapter, and it yeah. just feels we we know Joe based Lockhart on someone she actually knew, and it that just feels like a a real big jab right there. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is really good at her like um, page turn cliffhangers and like the yes. the payoff of those. Um, so yeah, that's a really good example of one where it's like, and we know exactly what to expect on the next page. <laughs> well, I've talked before about, like, in my original read-throughs that I didn't pay attention to any of the chapter titles or chapter art, and so I have a hard time identifying chapters by those things, uh, and this is why. <laughs> because I was just like, one chapter, right into the next, ignore the break. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I had no problem rereading this book in in a day yesterday in preparation oh. to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fast one for sure. Once you get into it. Um, speaking of Ron too, I found this really interesting. I picked up on some weird things reading this chapter this time. I don't know why. Um, but they go up to Lockhart at the end of class. They ask him to Hermione, actually, I should say, asks him to sign this permission form to check out this book. He doesn't even look, look, at what they're going to check out, he just pulls out this massive quill and signs away. Um, and I found it really fascinating because Ron is described specifically as saying he has this disgusted look on his face when he sees the quill that Lockhart misinterprets. And it, it just fascinated me that Ron hates being poor. And in a couple books, he's directly going to say, I hate being poor. But he also seems to have this disdain for these really kind of gaudy signs of being rich and being like flashy the way Lockhart is. And I just found that fascinating. Um, anyone have any ideas of maybe why he might have been written that way? Probably because it just emphasizes 
how poor he is. Like if you, if you have no money and you see people buying ridiculously stupid things that will cost way too much when they could be, you know, just buying enough food to feed your family for a week. Like the, the gaudier it is, the worse it is as a sign of having money. Um, yeah, but also it's just he hates anything Lockhart does. So <laughs> That's true. Um, speaking of terrible things, but we're still on Lockhart. I just had to say, as as a teacher now, reading Lockhart drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just he's so revolting. <laughs> yeah, With I all- definitely I had I had this question, like, I mean, were they really that hard up for a defense against the dark arts teacher? Like what was Dumbledore thinking? Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> How does anyone believe any of his tales? Like it, it just seems <laughs> ridiculous that anyone would consider him competent. <laughs> My favorite explanations are that Dumbledore thought it would be funny <laughs> and that Dumbledore was specifically trying to like expose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because Dumbledore knows about the curse, so he knows somehow they're going to get rid of him at the end of the year. So maybe he was like, this guy is dangerous to the real mission and what we really need to do. So we're just going to debunk him and get him out of the way as soon as we can. <laughs> well, and if you buy into the like omnipotent Dumbledore, then you can extrapolate that Dumbledore is like keeping an eye on Lockhart and making sure he doesn't do too much damage but like in my opinion not teaching for a whole year feels like a bunch of damage so yes it is (laughs) but this is a school that like doesn't teach math so (laughs) how much damage is there really (laughs) it's a it's i mean it's the most important subject subject. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's the it is the most important subject. I guess it's kind of a peacetime, so maybe you don't need quite as many people focused on defense against the dark arts, but you'd think that that would be like, you know, your your key maths English science kind of lesson that you need to have a a, a competent teacher to teach. Maybe though Dumbledore had a reason. Maybe he was like he's flashy and he's wrong, but these books are really popular. And Dumbledore, I'm sure, knows that darkness is on the horizon at some point. And so maybe he was like, I need these kids to see this is not how you tackle these things, right? It's not these flashy, extravagant Lockhart books that's not going to work. Um, so maybe That's a real like, long game. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe Dumbledore <laughs> succumbed to the celebrity as well and he has his own crush on Lockhart. <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing matching bright robes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from what we know about Dumbledore now, it's possible. Could be. Um, It's actually like, I I feel like I just kept feeling so disappointed in Hermione, like of all people. Yeah. How was she, how did she succumb to his charms? Because she's 12. And there are so many instances in this chapter as well where like, Lockhart has messed up seriously and she's still just excusing it. She's just letting it happen and saying, it's it's fine. Wake up, Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of the charms that he can actually do in addition to, you know, memory stuff is like bewitching people whose sexual pro- proclivities lean his way or something. Maybe. He's like a siren. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh gosh. Which would he include has- Dumbledore. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> he has one witch weekly's most charming smile five times in a row. So yes. <laughs> maybe it's that. Uh, that is interesting, though. I've always just chalked it up to Hermione being 12 and yeah. just not 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply wanting to accept that adults that she admires can be wrong and terrible. <laughs> that is really like uh, an adult rude awakening when you start discovering yeah. that yeah. adults are not all perfect like, and amazing. Yeah, yeah. And especially someone who wrote a, and published a book could be wrong. Yes. Right. I bet that's a that's a shock for her to be like, oh, these books are all fake. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he goes on about how he was so good at Quidditch. Um, Rosie, you had a point about that. Yeah, there's just a line where Lockhart says, I hear you're a useful player. I was a seeker too. I was asked to try for the national squad, but preferred to dedicate my life to the eradication of the dark forces. Which is just, you know, it's very over the top and very Lockhart. And yet, it perfectly describes Harry in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have never noticed that. That's amazing. <laughs> I haven't either. That's wonderful. It's just quite a nice little parallel there where he turns into his worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though. I look, Harry learned something from Lockhart. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, and of course Lockhart insults Harry's Quidditch skills in this same sentence. Yeah. That absolutely. yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Whatever it is, Lockhart has to be superior. <laughs> They then, of course, um, head off to the library in the restricted section, which is why they were talking to Lockhart in the first place, um, getting him to sign um, the restricted section permission form with a little bit of flattery. I think that's Hermione's greatest skill, really, is being able to flatter whoever she wants into doing what she wants. She's very manipulative. <laughs> But it got me thinking, you know, why isn't the restricted section reference only? Um, you need a permission form from a teacher to be able to access a book, but then... Hermione's able to take that book out of the library and could possibly show it to as many different people as she wanted. First years, doesn't really matter. Um, just seems a little bit of lapse rules and security there for the restricted section. Because Hogwarts, where the rules don't matter. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's like two versions of the permission form. One where like you're allowed to look at it, but you can't take it out. And two, like you can take it out if you want and that's probably meant for teachers who have students they trust who like want to take books out and like do more in-depth study and that sort of thing um you know kids who are gonna be working on a project more long term and those are probably meant for older students and somehow Hermione just has this version <laughs> I wonder If the books have certain spells on them, too, to protect them, like maybe mm. they can only be read by the student who checked it out, because I would worry about, all right, is a kid just going to go copy a bunch of stuff from this book to have forever, you know? 
um, like dangerous spells and potions and things? What if they just magically make a copy of the book and then they have access to that? Um, that could be dangerous. So I feel, I feel like there has to be some sort of magical security on them. You'd hope so. But then, like you said, it's Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> the rules don't matter. I love the idea that uh, the books might have a spell on them that only allows the student who checked them out to read them. And that is hilarious to me because... Obviously, Harry and Ron didn't want anything to do with this book because they didn't really want to take this potion in the first place. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> if they'd ever tried to read the book and then, like, couldn't open it or, like, the pages looked different to them or something really funny, I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> that Maybe the horrifying hilarious. images they see are only seen by them and Hermione thinks yeah. it's nice. <laughs> the deterrent. Well, we do know the one that in Sorcerer's Stone, Harry tries to pick off the shelf screams. So maybe it is, true. you know. Um, so they go to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom <laughs> and they start looking at the potion. But what I really was interested in was, why is Harry so worried about brewing this potion? Especially when Harry is always determined to do the right thing, no matter what it takes. He seems oddly worried here about what it's going to take to make this potion to achieve their end, which is to interrogate Malfoy because they think he's setting the monster loose. So why, why is Harry so worried? Potions is not his strong suit. <laughs> and it's also having to steal from Snape, which is pretty much worst nightmare for Harry. Yeah. I guess he is a little scared of Snape still, isn't he? <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> I also think it's really odd that Hermione is so gung-ho about it. Like, she's so keen to make this potion. I was very proud of her. I mean, I think it's, like, clearly, like, very sort of, like, the idea of someone going after Muggleborns is, like, really triggering to her, obviously. Because, like, the second that, like, someone's really in danger, she, like, leaps to this, you know, plan. Yeah. It, it really shows her, her true Gryffindor side. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and I think she might be scared for herself. Yeah. I mean, totally. she could very easily fall under this. And I think maybe part of her is frightened that she'll be next if they don't figure this out. I mean, she think about last year, she got attacked by a troll. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, she's had some pretty scary stuff happen to her already. And I think maybe she's worried. And so she's like, I can make this right. I can find a way to stop this. So I'm going to do it no matter what. Although it is it is kind of funny that she's like, oh, no, I'm in danger. I have a plan that will get us an answer in a month. Yeah. <laughs> long game, long game. We got to play the long game. <laughs> it's also quite different for her to have a, a one set idea plan rather than trying to think of the best solution. Like, yes, they can go and kind of interrogate Malfoy, but she's not really interested in finding another route to finding out what's going on. Um, so, yeah, once she once she gets her mind on this potion, this is... It's, it's this or nothing. Well, um, I think she doesn't She doesn't have enough information. I think that might be part of it because she can't find anything about the Chamber of Secrets anywhere in any of her books. She had to ask Bins about it. I mean, she's. I think she's worried and she doesn't feel like she has enough information. So she's like, let's just go with whatever we can do because the sooner we stop this, the better. <laughs> um, I also think it's interesting that maybe she considers it a really good challenge because this is a, a potion that's 
really difficult, definitely not something a second year should be able to do. It's in the restricted section. Like this would be a point of pride for her to do something that is different from, you know, every single book that she's read that she's managed to do everything perfectly mm. already. So I wonder if this is her looking for, you know, the the extension material worth of potions. Okay. That actually is an interesting thought. It's a bit of her pride getting in the way. Hmm. I do find it interesting though that she she accuses the boys of like not wanting to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to kind of goad them into going along. <laughs> and it works. What, are you scared? Yeah. <laughs> it works, especially with Ron. Definitely. Ron very much is like, no, not scared. Let's do this. <laughs> this is the most manipulative I think Hermione is until, like, Cormac McLaggen. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a really interesting moment for her. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Cormac, it's Quidditch! Yay! <laughs> um... It's uh, it's a Quidditch chapter. I love Quidditch. I haven't read a Quidditch chapter for a while. It's it's awesome. Um, so obviously they they start this potion, and then we jump to the next day, and it's a very big Quidditch match. Um, Harry's worried because the Slytherins have these superior brooms because Draco has bought his way onto Slytherin's team, um, and they're all a little worried. Having your seeker by their way on is like just doesn't seem like a good idea. Like stick one of the, you know, stick them somewhere else. Not like the most important, usually game defining spot. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. I can see Malfoy as like a chaser, like having to just fly up the pitch and try and score a goal. But yeah, Seeker seems a little bit tricky. <laughs> Maybe that was part of the deal. Maybe he was like, we'll get these if he's the Seeker because the Seeker's the one with the most glory. Yeah. So I also think it's, he has to be in the same position as Harry or it's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, because that's, he's always trying I'm to... sure that's true. I also can't, I can't picture Malfoy in any other position either. Like, I'm just trying to picture him as a beater. And <laughs> yeah. like, he's the one that, <laughs> she's dangerous. the one that like, tells other people to go and beat people up. <laughs> yeah. He also was not really a team player. Like, I, I feel no. like he couldn't do any of the positions where he'd have to communicate with other people the seeker kind of plays their own game during the yeah. game but everyone else is really having to work together so well and you get a really cool juxtaposition between malfoy and harry's character in this chapter without yes. really meaning to because you see harry break his arm and then still make every effort to catch the stitch he tells fred and george to no leave me alone i can handle it and deals with it for the good of the team. And if Draco had been put in the same position, he would have been like, oh no, I can't go on. We have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Draco Cancel the match. He's killed me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so they, they get up and they, they're getting ready. We're getting to the match. <laughs> but I did have a question before we started. Um, she always seems to mention on almost all the occasions of the big Quidditch matches we see, why is the weather always bad, especially in a literary <laughs> sense? Like, I get that it, it adds to drama, but we've talked about before how Quidditch matches kind of parallel the larger narrative that's going on. Mm -hmm. So why is it the weather always bad? Is she saying something so, about? <laughs> so for for anyone who has ever watched John Green play FIFA, uh, <laughs> in a stunning turn of events, it's raining in England. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> 
I know this isn't England, but that always but, makes me laugh. But yeah, and... just to give you a, a clue, I, I did check the, the weather forecast for Edinburgh and Glasgow before coming on to this episode today. And yeah, 12 out of the next 14 days are rain. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. Events, it's raining in Scotland. Well, because the twins say, one of the twins says something about I haven't been dry since August. So yeah. Like, yeah. if you're going to practice, you're going to have to practice in the rain. It, it does tend to rain a lot in Scotland, more so than England. And England's always raining. <laughs> um, in terms of a literary sense, though, I mean, partly it's, it's Quidditch and, um, you know, uh, to an extent, herbology and care of magical creatures. They're the only times that we're really ever outside at Hogwarts. Most of the time we're in the castle. Um, so this gives us an opportunity for a bit of pathetic fallacy where the weather can kind of represent the drama. So I, I think that's probably why the weather's always bad for Quidditch. Um, where, yeah, it, they they happen at moments of tension and generally Harry never has a good Quidditch match. Um, and I think the the very rare times where he actually wins in a in a blaze of glory, it's a nice sunny day. So the weather is good when when the Quidditch is good too. <laughs> okay, okay, I think. <laughs> well, actually, I'll I'll add in here. I've got about like three minutes left with you guys. Sadly, okay. Did you have any points that you would really like to talk about? Let's let's do that first. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, just a theme that runs through all the Harry Potter books of like, where are the adults? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> this bludger is coming for Harry. It's something, I mean, truly it's, and we have that in common in Percy Jackson land for sure. Um, you know, just like these, it's just up to these kids, like always, you know, and there's a, there's a referee, right? You know, Madam Hooch is, yeah. is, is there and like, it's clear that someone has bewitched this bludger, but apparently we're just going to play out the game. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, they even like pause the match at some point to kind of work out what's going on. And the teachers still aren't paying attention to the fact that there is yeah. this magical bludger attacking people. Yep, um, yep, yep. I also just wanted to tell one hilarious little anecdote about my reread of this book. Um, yes. Uh, just to tie in one more lightning thief parallel. Um you know, obviously he's not a major character in this book, but Percy Weasley does appear several times. And the first time I read a passage about Percy Weasley, like my brain just automatically translated it to be the main character of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I got really confused for a second. And also in like telling people that I was coming on your podcast, I kept calling Harry Percy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just was easily confused there, but it's, yeah, I thought that uh, was funny. Dark hair, <laughs> blue green eyes, little reckless. They've got similarities. <laughs> Half blood. Yeah, <laughs> I am sure there's crossover fan fiction out there. Definitely. Oh, I know there some. is. <laughs> there's got to be. <laughs> Well, it's been so awesome talking with y'all. Thank you yeah, so much for joining for us. I'm sorry we couldn't Thank talk to you, you for longer. I know, I know. Good luck finishing the chapter. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> Good luck with shows, to, or sorry, break a leg with shows today. <laughs> <laughs> Heading off to my matinee now. Great. Have a great performance. Say hi to Dobby for me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. So we get down to the Quidditch pitch. And we're about to start the match, and we get a great one of our classic pep talks from the love of my life, Oliver Wood, um, <laughs> where he's he's very nervous, obviously, being Oliver, about the 
perceived advantage that the Slytherins have over the Gryffindors. And he gives one of his greatest lines <laughs> where he says, get that snitch before Malfoy or die trying, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> because nothing else is as important as that. Quidditch's life. <laughs> so so I know everyone is always obsessed with Sean Biggerstaff, but I like the movie's totally ruin Oliver's character. He has so much more depth to him in the books, and he is so fun to read in the books. He's not as intense. Like, I always... He's so, like, intense and almost uptight all the time in the books, and just so overly passionate that he's always, like, exploding with passion for Quidditch. And it's why (laughs) I love him, quite honestly, because I just think he's great because he freaks out about the littlest things if it has to do with Quidditch and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the team respects him so much though. Like he he is a nightmare to them and they let it happen and they support him and yeah, it's it's really yeah. nice to see as well. Yeah. I think because they they love him and they appreciate his passion and mm-hmm. they appreciate the way he leads their team with so much passion and how how willing he is to like almost over-exaggeratingly celebrate every victory and, like, take. he's the one who's going to take every loss the absolute hardest. And Mm -hmm. he's just, I mean, he's the most out of all of them. And so, of course, they're they're just happy to follow. I like to think that Harry learned some of his kind of DA leadership skills from Oliver as well. Me too. Especially when he takes over as as captain later on. Harry's a little less intense, though. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes. Uh, So we get to the game and everybody's into this game and Harry's like, man, those Slytherin brooms are doing a really great job. We got to get the snitch. And then this bludger starts following him around. (laughs) And of course, the twins come right to his aid as the beaters. But I wanted to think about this. I've been thinking about this concept a lot lately since someone brought it up. The fact that Quidditch matches supposedly parallel conflict. Um, in the books. Um, and so Fred and George protect Harry from this bludger. How does that relate to their role in the main conflict and where they're at with Harry? In the theory that you've read, by main conflict, do you mean within this book or do you mean at the end of the series? Um, I don't remember. Someone brought <laughs> it up on the show a couple episodes ago. Okay. Um, I guess both, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> They don't really have much of a role in this book other than it being a very Weasley-centric ending. Um, But I think, you know, I mean, Fred essentially gives his life for Harry um, and George loses an ear. And, you know, they they are very much always going to be taking the blows um, and and trying to stand between Harry and the bad guys. Oh, my Um, God, you have to stop. I can't. I'm sorry. (laughs) But they they are those kind of very protective that they are yeah they are they are doing their beta roles throughout their kind of time at Hogwarts so um, yeah I can definitely see them being um, reflected in this scene okay although they don't actually physically get injured by the bludger they are managing That's to true. beat them away quite well I guess I don't know why this popped in my head too it's Dobby's bludger we know um, and. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They actually kind of accept and take Dobby in to some degree. You know, the twins and Ron really like Dobby. Yeah. Does that make sense? So maybe there's something there. <laughs> anyway, so this bludger is rocketing around, trying to knock just Harry off his broom. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, did you have a point on that? Just the fact that Harry really needs to learn to talk to teachers. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we'll kind of maybe use that section about the bludger and, and talking to adults that we had a, a moment ago here. So yeah, for going off of what Sarah Beth said. It really should be replayed rather than just forfeit. And Harry seems very afraid that, you know stopping this game is going to sacrifice his ability to to win it um rather than keep him safe um so uh, quidditch doesn't seem to have a lot of rules that are there to protect the players um but you'd think that at least school quidditch would have something that would be if if the game was being tampered with if there was some kind of cheating happening it could be called off and replayed um so that the students survive. <laughs> I just don't understand why McGonagall is not, like, bursting onto this pitch. Like, what yeah. is happening? This is unacceptable. We have to replay this game. There's some sort of nonsense happening here. Like, she would know right away that something wasn't right, and she would fight for like justice in this situation it is interesting that none of the teachers notice like that that's what kills me is that yeah. none of them seem to notice that this bludger is just after harry like was the rest of the match that exciting that they <laughs> weren't paying attention could they just not see it does seem that slytherin was scoring a lot but i think that's just because the the beaters were otherwise occupied um but like i think it would be very obvious if Fred and George were just flanking Harry the yeah. whole time. Like, you look at that and you're like, why? And then as you're looking at that, then you will notice that every time that they hit a bludger away from Harry, it comes back. Like, it doesn't seem to me to be that hard to tell that there's a problem. No, it has to be <laughs> yeah. as obvious as Quirrell jinxing the, br the broom in the year previously. And, like, everyone right. in the audience seemed to notice that one. So, yeah, how do people not notice I know, budget. it's just, it's this weird, like, everyone just wasn't looking at Harry. <laughs> Maybe and it's it part of the curse. Maybe there is, is something that Dobby's done that's made it that people outside of a certain vicinity of the bludger 
don't really notice uh, what's going on. What? But like, so Fred and George notice, but they're focused on it because that's their job, I guess. Yeah. And they stay quite close to it. I think then that like, that when they do the timeout, that the rest of the team would be like, what are you talking about? You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a really interesting idea. Just seems odd. It's so funny. I, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember what is a movieism and what is part of the book. And the this this movie and the first movie, I feel like, are so similar in terms of like the actors' ages and the yeah. the look the look of the movie and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so sometimes I get this scene confused with the the jinxing the broom scene from the movies. And so I was reading this and I was like, oh, wow, I forgot that they're like in the movie they notice and in the book they don't. And then as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, no, <laughs> that's the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this the sequence in the film for the second film is it's so focused on Harry and so focused on the drama. Yeah. They do notice it because Hermione's the one that casts Finita Incantatum on the bludger, I think, or something, and it like the the ball pretty much explodes. Yeah. Um so that so yeah, the audience are definitely aware of what's going on at the end of that sequence in the film. Um but they don't show the whole however long this match has gone on sequence. Yeah. And Harry is also like crashing through the structure of yeah. the the stadium in the movie. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, which is different from the book because in the book, the twins like wrestle the bludger back into its box. It's not yeah. even, I don't know. It's like no one really noticed that. No one noticed how much of a fight it was putting us. So that's a good point because while I was reading this, the whole time they were doing the timeout, I was like, why is the bludger chill right now? Yeah. Like, why where is, is it, it not still <laughs> yeah. trying to attack Harry? <laughs> Like, um, there had to have been something about, like, when they were on the ground, it wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Or maybe Dobby's there and said, pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to literally kill Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm just thinking, why didn't they make the roller coaster escape from a rogue bludger? <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> they could have done literally anything they wanted. They could have made it as wild as they wanted. Seriously. Uh, that would have Universal, had to go upside down so me. many times. <laughs> oh my gosh. People would get so sick on that ride. Um, <laughs> Universal, call me. Um, <laughs> I, I do have to say, though, speaking of, the, of this match, too, you kind of got to hand it to Malfoy for his insults in this chapter. You know, he's he's kind of he's kind of clever. He's kind of witty here. <laughs> With some of his uh some of the things he throws at Harry are, are are quite creative. I wonder how long it took him to come up with them. <laughs> so he says, All right there, Scarhead. And <laughs> Training for the ballet. Yeah. So I'm just did, does Draco stay up at night thinking of insults that he can throw <laughs> at Harry? Is that what he does? Probably. <laughs> Probably. It's very stocked. <laughs> Speaking of that, I just have to say I have seen Cursed Child several times in the past week um, because it's in San Francisco now. And I have to say one of my favorite lines still in the whole show is when Draco says, keep up, old man. And Harry says, <laughs> we're the same age, Draco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Brilliant banter. 
But again, it's Malfoy is completely focused on Harry and forgotten that he's meant to be a secret yeah. snitch himself. Like he's not really interested in the game at all. He just wants to get one up on Harry. Exactly. Which is why when the snitch is fluttering two feet above his head, he does not notice. Nope. <laughs> Perfect. And so Harry pauses for too long. His arm is broken by the bludger. He flies towards Malfoy, who freaks out because he thinks Harry's attacking him. And then Harry catches the snitch with a broken arm, which bravo, Harry, for real. Mm. Yeah, he is like no hands Potter and just (laughs) grabs the snitch while not falling off his broom. It's pretty athletic. Yeah, it proves that he is an amazing Quidditch player. Yeah. I just love his line on the floor as well. Like, the first thing he does, like, he's gone, okay, my arm is broken. I've won, though. There's loads of people around me. I hear a clicking noise. What is it? Oh, I don't want a photo of this, Colin. (laughs) It's so perfect. (laughs) I love how he knows it would be Colin. Like, he knows that's what's happening. (laughs) We also get a great line from Wood where he comes up and says, he should probably go to the hospital. But great catch, Harry. (laughs) Let me talk for 10 minutes about how great that catch was. I know that you're in great pain right now, but let's talk about Quidditch. (laughs) Harry's just like, ow. (laughs) And then we get Lockhart, who arrives on the scene and says he can mend the bone, but instead removes the bone and i'm really grossed out by this concept but i also kind of want to talk about it (laughs) where does it go like in magic there's always like some kind of transference or yeah and it's not like bone can just disappear no necessarily liquefy like what does he do (laughs) oh that's terrible (laughs) i mean it can he probably broke it up into the tiniest little particles, and now it's just in the air, and everyone's breathing in Harry's bones. Ew! <laughs> How to get out of, like, his skin? <laughs> Magic. <laughs> I know, because I'm trying to think. I'm like, bone doesn't really turn into anything else. Okay, so if you I were... Mean, it's minerals, it's calcium, and... If you were dueling somebody and, like, the killing curse seems, like, really hard to do. You have to be <laughs> truly evil to do it. Can you just, like, like charm somebody's bones. bones then outside oh, of their body? Just like Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a truly terrifying spell the more you think about it. Like, <laughs> I wonder if it turns... Does it turn to cartilage? Like, does it, like, revert back? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. I feel like if if there was some way of, like, if it was a transfiguration, like if it had turned from one thing into another thing, I feel like Pomfrey would have been able to just reverse that and and turn it back again. that's true. It has to have actually been removed. Yeah. And it seems like this is unusual, right? Because we know Lockhart's incompetent. So obviously this isn't happening all the time, but also, like, Skelligro exists. So (laughs) there has to be some precedent for it. Well, like, I wonder if you could, like, regrow an amputated yeah, limb that's what I was that was amputated well. not by magic. Because, like, we know that, oh. that like, Moody can't regrow his leg because it was cursed off, I'm sure. But, like, if you, I don't know, if something fell on you and crushed your leg and then you had to have it removed, 
Like, could you just grow it back? Or if it, or if it saves you from having to have it removed. Right. I need more information on magical medicine. Like, I just... <laughs> I know. I want to know how it works. Listeners, tell us how you think this works. What are the <laughs> logistics of bone removal? Um, is there muggle precedent for that? <laughs> the movie um, did it so well, though. Like, that, that oh spongy gosh. arm is so disgusting. <laughs> I can't yeah, even watch that scene because it makes me want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> also, the visual of... Uh, not in the movie, but just from the book of Harry trying to get his arm through his pajama sleeve. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like, yes. It's like a newborn where they like don't know to just keep moving their arms, so you have to like jam it into their sleeves. Yeah. It's hilarious to me. I think one of my <laughs> I think one of my favorite um descriptions too of that is when he sits on the bed and she says, and his arm flapped pointlessly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Harry is a champ here with the Skelligro. Like, if that was me, I would have to be, like, restrained and it would have to be delivered to me somehow while I was unconscious. Like, there there is no way that I would willingly take that, even even if I was in this predicament. (laughs) Like, I don't do well with gross things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. But I mean, he's also he also willingly takes the polyjuice potion, so which I would yeah. also would not do. He has a lot yeah. of trust in people. <laughs> yeah, there he he's too willing to put disgusting things in his mouth, and I would never be able to do that. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. Um, and so Harry's in the hospital wing, and he's awakened in the middle of the night because Dobby has arrived to give Harry a sponge bath and cry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because that's what he does. Uh, but, but this is my question. Dobby obviously tells him that he sealed the platform barrier, but okay. How, how strong is that magic that he could do that? And no one seemed to notice. Mm -hmm. I feel like these house house elves have crazy strong magic and yet, they're in the position they're in, A, and B, no one seems to realize that they have crazy strong magic. They get so worried by the fact that Winky has a wand later on, and yet she doesn't seem to have needed it. Like, yeah. I guess it's part of the kind of wizard xenophobia, like the, the idea of not really understanding and, and um, yeah, kind of hiding more powerful creatures than themselves and... Maybe they've just always enslaved the house elves and never really considered them to be powerful in their own right. And Dobby's kind of proof that they are. Mm. Maybe that's why they enslaved house elves in the in the first place, because they saw the powers and, and wanted to harness them for themselves. <gasps> oh, that's well, sad. Yeah. This uh, chapter, I had totally forgotten how open Dobby is about mm-hmm. the the plight of house elves and, I, like, I thought a lot of that was more implied, and I forgot how just laid out plainly it all was. Like, yeah, we were really repressed. Yeah. <laughs> and I still am. <laughs> yeah. And also just how much of a beacon of hope Harry is for Dobby and for House Elkind in general. Like, it's such a sweet moment where he's like, you don't understand how important you are, Harry. <laughs> yeah, which I, I was really interested about because I'm like, is there historical 
basis for that. I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't think of anyone or like any situation where there was a figure necessarily like that, that hadn't come from an oppressed group necessarily. Yeah. It, am I just totally think like missing something obvious or? I don't know. Because it is, it's very sweet and it's very, it kind of like solidifies that bond, I feel like, between Harry yeah. and Dobby. Because Harry feels like he has to live up to what Dobby expects him to be. I also don't know how truthful and representative Dobby's opinion of Harry is to the rest of the house elves. The ones that we meet, you know, Winky and Creature aren't really that interested in Harry. The Hogwarts house elves aren't really that interested in Harry. Sure, they're all in kind of better situations, but I wonder if it's more to do with Dobby being in the Malfoy house um, and the Malfoy's reaction to the fall of Voldemort that made Dobby think, oh, Harry is a saviour. Like, it, it seems to be a direct link between Dobby's personal experience um, and and why he idolises Harry so much. Um, if that makes sense. I... Yeah, sorry, I just thought of a point too. Why has Dobby not been brainwashed by the Malfoys yet? Yeah. Because I feel like, like I mean, that kind of happens with Creature, right? Creature automatically just kind of accepts the rhetoric and the ideas that the Blacks espouse. So why doesn't Dobby... I guess people react to situations in different ways. Creature was kind of born into it and had his his elder house elves teaching him the right ways. We don't really know how Dobby came to be with the Malfoys, but it seems like he he might have had a better life before he came there and was very beaten down by his captors rather than his owners. Like he's very loyal to them, but he he knows that he's being mistreated. Creature, mm. creature doesn't feel mistreated. Okay. Interesting. This book is a really interesting one because most of the actual plotline is kind of very separate from what actually happens to Harry um, until mm. the actual diary shows up um, and obviously the, the actual chamber sequence at the end. Um, Harry's not really involved with the main plot. Um, he's trying to work out what's going on, but he's kind of ha doing his own thing um, that, that doesn't actually lead him in the right direction for most of the book. Um, which means that the actual trials and tribulations that Harry does face in this book are not caused by the um, heir of Slytherin. You know, I, I wrote as a question earlier, um, before I actually thought about what I was writing, um, how did Ginny curse the bludger? Thinking, oh, you know, that's the main plot line. It must have been Ginny. And then I was like, oh, no, hang on a second. <laughs> it was Dobby. So, like, it's a very separate thing. So is Dobby Harry's greatest danger this year? He seems to be putting him in more dangerous situations wow. than anything the the heir of Slytherin is causing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. But it, it's interesting because Harry would have had a pretty quiet year until the diary mm -hmm. had that, had Dobby not done anything about it. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's an idea. Right. Like <laughs> is, was Harry able to be safe because Dobby made the problem more visible. Um, yeah, that's true. Oh. And engaged Harry in trying to figure out what was going on as opposed to just it sneaking up on him until he's killed. Harry wouldn't have known about Colin and everything that we're about right. to talk about 
if, yeah. if Dobby hadn't done the bludger. And and the diary though is so was so it was it was kind of hit or miss that it would even come in contact with Harry. Yeah. So Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is kind of weird that in doing so, Harry or Dobby kind of put Harry on edge this year, right? Had yeah. him looking for danger that could be around a corner. Which is kind of Dobby's plan, but Dobby's real plan was just to try and get Harry going home. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just had that secondary... Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that it then brings into question what Malfoy's motivation was with the diary. Because Tom Riddle, in his memory, says that he... You know, the the plan was just to open the chamber, set the basilisk loose, um, kill people if he could, um, until he realised that Harry Potter was there and he heard Ginny talking about Harry Potter and, and wanted to learn more about the, yeah. his downfall. So Tom Riddle doesn't know anything about how Voldemort has failed at this point. Um, and it's not until Ginny tells him that he realises Harry's a threat um, or, or a person of interest. Um, but for Dobby to have tried to prevent Harry from going to Hogwarts in the first place this year, it seems like Malfoy's plan the whole time, Lucius Malfoy's plan the whole time, was to set the the kind of heir of Slytherin on Harry. Or to do something with the diary that would be negative to Harry. Dobby seems to know more about some kind of plan than is actually taking place. Yeah. Is there more going on or is it just maybe slightly messy writing or I don't know. <laughs> well, I also think to some extent too, Dobby is just afraid of what Lucius Malfoy could do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we can assume he's been there for a very long time with them. So he's seen, he's probably seen and experienced things that Death Eaters do. And especially if Death Eaters act like Voldemort, right? And we know how Voldemort treated Creature. So Dobby might have been through some pretty horrible stuff then. And he might be afraid of what, you know, they could do to this kid. Mm -hmm. And Dobby is not the first character who has done something really either stupid or dangerous in desperation. No. And I think that of any character, Dobby has the biggest heart, the best intentions, even though yes, what he's doing is completely nonsensical. <laughs> Dobby's also very used to hurting himself, so he doesn't necessarily consider injury as a big problem. <laughs> well, and uh, Dobby says, like, 
I was okay with you getting hurt if that meant saving your life. Yeah. And, like, that is really a powerful sentiment um, and Mm -hmm. very dark. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he straight up says, he's like, I would rather you got sent home in pieces. (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) Which is, really, Dobby? (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, you know, that line doesn't make it into the film, but it's kind of echoed by the... Dobby didn't mean to kill, just maim or seriously injure. Later yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that bit was so bad. <laughs> um, speaking of things that that come back later, uh, I don't know why I've never caught this this time. But the Dobby says the family is careful not to pass Dobby even a sock, sir, for then he would be free to leave their house forever. <laughs> like the most blatant foreshadowing in the world, and somehow I have <laughs> never caught that he specifically says a sock, and that's what Harry he gives tells him. Harry exactly how to how to free him. Yeah, it's perfect. It's precious. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry's trying to get information out of Dobby. And he doesn't get very far because he's interrupted by some people coming into the hospital wing, carrying the body of Colin Creevy, who has been petrified. Oh, this moment. <laughs> I just love that Minerva says that he was found with a with a bunch of grapes next to him and they thought he was trying to visit Harry with the grapes. And it's so sweet. It is so sweet. I really love Colin Creevy. <laughs> it's like that's like the lamest thing, but I in know. the sweetest way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are grapes significant, Rosie? Do they have any like It's just it's it's what you do with, with people in hospital is you bring them you bring them either grapes or flowers and generally we oh, don't okay. get flowers anymore because flowers aren't allowed in hospitals anymore. So yeah, grapes really? is kind of our thing. Yeah. I did not I know have that. Never heard that. I don't that know why. Provides, that provides so much more context. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, it must be a very British thing that, yeah, you, you bring, hospital food is not that great, so you bring fresh fruit. Generally, grapes is a, a kind of easy to digest. Fascinating. That's so random, but yeah, also really helps. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, punting across the swamp things. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just it, didn't that's know. That's a really random one that's, Yeah. Uh, hang on, I'm, so I'm googling it. Why do British people bring grapes to people in hospital? <laughs> is actually a thing that pops up when you Google grapes to people in hospital. Are you serious? Yep. Um, <laughs> grapes were known to contain many essential vitamins and minerals. They were taken regularly into hospitals by by visitors. It's a highly antiseptic, apparently, and powerful solvent of inorganic matter. So it's supposed to make you feel better. Huh. <laughs> That's wow. so funny. Began, um, yeah, particularly in kind of 50s and 60s, um, nurses would tell visitors off for bringing sweets, so people brought grapes instead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> America, where have we been on this? Okay, so I revoke my comment about Colin being lame. It was just, <laughs> it was just sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so ingrained in me that, like, when I'm not feeling well, I buy grapes. Like, when I wasn't feeling well oh at New York gosh. Comic Con, I bought grapes and ate you grapes. You did! <laughs> it's, it's what oh I did. Oh my gosh! Okay, this is blowing it's my really mind. Wow. <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why, it's always just struck me as a little weird, but I've always just kind of passed over it. No, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, 
I, the more I think about it, the more weird it is. But it's just one of those things that we do. Man, <laughs> Americans, let's get on this. Come on. <laughs> now, now I want grapes. I'm like starting to get a little bit of a sore throat, and I have to go grocery shopping later. So grapes might have grapes to happen. Grapes are great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Put them in the fridge, keep them nice and cold. It's basically like ice chips. It's not Love grape it. season anymore, though, which is sad. Grapes are um, never really that out of season. They get out of season. I've gotten some pretty bad ones the past <laughs> yeah. little bit. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, so Colin is petrified, and all I could think about... No, was, is don't, this- you're not allowed to say this. No. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like it has to be foreshadowing his death, which I'm going to be honest makes me cry because... She has one Ugh. sentence, really, that he was tiny in death, like, makes me sob every single mm-hmm. time. Because it's such a small but powerful sentence every single okay. time. <laughs> Listen, w- this chapter we have talked about both Colin and the twins' sacrifices yeah. to Harry, and <laughs> this is this is Chamber. Like, I'm not okay with this. If, if you wanted <laughs> yeah, it, Quidditch okay. matches that reflected the battle... Here you go. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Oliver Wood is the one who carries Colin in. Oh my gosh. Okay, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on. <laughs> we're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. There's a few there's a couple of lines um in this little bit that get me a little bit confused because Albus says Minerva found him on the stairs. But then Minerva says if Albus hadn't been on his way downstairs for hot chocolate, who knows what would have happened. So yeah who who actually found him what was actually going on like this is one of those scenes where before we knew about Dumbledore people were like hmm is something going on with McGonagall and Dumbledore because like (laughs) they seem to be covering for each other with their alibis here (laughs) I think McGonagall probably found him but maybe couldn't lift him or carry him or didn't know what like didn't quite under not understand she's really smart um, but maybe didn't quite know in that moment what what exactly to do with this student and maybe because he is her student she was a little distraught about it so yeah. i'm i'm guessing dumbledore showed up moments after she found him as dumbledore is wont to do yeah like he <laughs> just wandered down that hallway at the exact perfect time and so they kind of found him together and were able to lift him and bring him and make sure the area was safe and he was safe. Yeah. Yeah, Minerva definitely seems to think that Dumbledore either scared off whatever did it or... Yeah, she seems to think that that Albus had saved the day, even if she had found him. Yeah. Which is interesting. And then Dumbledore, of course, gives the interesting line, the question is not who, the question is how. And... I think we we know that Dumbledore knows that Tom Riddle opened it the first time, but does he know how he's doing it this time? Or does he have suspicions, do you think, of how he's doing it this time? Because we know the diary leads Dumbledore to the understanding that Voldemort made Horcruxes. Mm -hmm. So does he have a suspicion at this point that somehow that's what's going on? I think the how refers to how did he get petrified? And therefore, like the solution of the basilisk, more than oh. the the diary and the person, because then it would be the question is who, because the question is who is the heir of Slytherin. Um, so I, yeah, I've always read that more as to ha- like how are these attacks happening? Um, yeah, 
but I don't know. But this is another like perfect example of like Dumbledore must know more than he's letting on. Like just saying that line is putting that seed in Harry's head for Harry to think it over. Like there's no real reason to say that to the adults in that room at that moment. Like the question is both of those questions. You can have more than one question at the same time. Um, <laughs> so is Dumbledore trying to do what he did in the first year where he's trying to kind of push Harry? Yeah, he's, he's leading him on on a path of investigation. It's saying you're, you're thinking about the wrong question. The question is not who. You shouldn't be focusing on Malfoy. You should be question, focusing on how how can we solve the petrification? How can we stop this from happening? What is it that's actually doing it? Does Dumbledore have a time turner at this point? <laughs> because I, that would be how he came down the stairs at exactly the right moment as well if he knew this had just happened and he implanted himself in that situation but i think <laughs> dumbledore's ability to not focus on the who um or the what uh demonstrates that he already has suspicions um yeah. mm-hmm. that he he knows that like he already has some of those puzzle pieces he just doesn't know how it's happening and so, like, that's his focus right now. And and I think the the how he knows will lead him to the who. So I, I, I do think this is our early um, introduction to Dumbledore knows way more than he's ever willing to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. There's just so many questions about Dumbledore. And the more you think about them, the more problematic he gets. <laughs> yeah. What does he know? How does he know it? Right. Who even knows anymore? Deus qu- ex Dumbledore. <laughs> or Dumbledore <laughs> ex Machina. One, two. The question is not who. I already have suspicions about who, and I'm not going to share any of my suspicions with you all. So let's just focus on the how and move on. <laughs> because I never will. No information. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And that is where we end this quite kind of jumping around action-packed chapter. Yeah. It is a very jumping around chapter. It's, so I it's was very short, but lots I happens. was listening to this chapter in the audiobook and there were several times where and I was just like listening to the the tracks in the middle of the book, so it was just going to continue on to the next chapter. And there were Three or four times where, like, Jim Dale took a pause and I paused the chapter. And I was like, wait, was that the end? And then I played again. I'm like, no, there was more. <laughs> because <laughs> there's so much that happens in this chapter and it really, like, jumps settings quite a bit and jumps yeah. down a little bit. It is directly in the middle of the book. Um, so it is kind of the mm. the turning point yeah. chapter. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah. I, I was trying to write the summary and I was like, Okay, summarizing this section, and then this section, and then this section, <laughs> and they're all, like, not really related. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of all happens in the space of two days, but so much happens in the space of two days. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. But a good one. Yeah. So we'd just like to thank Sarah Beth for joining us today. Um, we had a, a great time talking to her earlier on in this chapter, Um if you guys are interested, make sure you do go and check out Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief um, currently on Broadway um, to see her in action. And stay tuned for our next topic coming up, which is food. 
This is going to be a fun Ooh. one, especially as we move into the holiday season and food is just on my mind constantly during this time <laughs> of year. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Just think of mm. all the pumpkin pasties. Mm. Just Chocolate about, frogs. Just about all the food mentioned in the books is stuff that I can't eat, so. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poor Beth. And if you want to join us on that episode about food or on any of our upcoming episodes, visit our website, alohomorapodcast.com and choose be on the show. Follow the instructions, send us your audition and come join us. You can also visit the topic submit page. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about. If there's any particular food you want us to discuss, <laughs> um, maybe you are an American and like I was for many years, you were like, what the heck is treacle tart? Um, <laughs> you uh, guys don't know what treacle tarts are? No, we nope. don't have treacle here. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, I do now, but like... <laughs> All, uh, you're just going to need a microphone and a pair of headphones. And if you're chosen to guest host, we will walk you through the rest. So go ahead and come join us. We love talking to you. And if you want to contact us in any other way, perhaps you want to tweet or Instagram us with some pictures of amazing Harry Potter food. Um, <laughs> we're, we're on a roll now. Um, you can uh, find us at Alohomora MN. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash open the Dumbledore. Our website, as you know, is alohomorapodcast.com. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash alohomoramn, and you can email us, alohomorapodcast at gmail.com. And just a reminder to go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash alohomora. Thank you again to Connie Chen for sponsoring this Yay! episode. We so appreciate you. And you two can sponsor us for as little as $1 a month. Uh, and go ahead and check out our higher tiers like access to Dumbledore's office, episode sponsoring, and decals. And that's all we've got for you today. I'm Beth. I'm Rosie. And I'm Allison. Thank you for listening to episode 284 of A Love Open the, the double door. Ah! <laughs> Ow! Open the Dumbledore. It's melted. It's all melted. It's melted? Well, when they open Colin's camera. (laughs) That's all I could think of that gets opened in this chapter. Uh, I should just, I should just, like, scream. Like, I'm trying to get away from the bludger. (laughs) Like, do, like, ducking and weaving. Open the, the... Dumbledore. I don't know. That was weird. I like that. I think you should do it. That was good. No. It's your turn. (laughs) Okay. Ah! Open the Dumbledore! Whoosh! Whoosh! (laughs) There, I tried to to make some some noises. (laughs) Ooh. Sorry, that was my alarm. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This episode is brought to you by Allianz Travel Insurance. When you're far from home, anything can happen. That's why more than 70 million American travelers trust Allianz Travel Insurance to protect their adventures. With benefits for medical emergencies and evacuations, trip cancellations, travel delays, and baggage mishaps, you can travel with perfect peace of mind. Learn more and get a quote at AllianzTravelInsurance.com.